Our Lord and Savior, we thank you that even 2,000 years ago, uh, you saw us meeting here as your church, as the people who will believe in the gospel. Uh, our prayers tonight is that you answer your prayer, that you build a people that will live for your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen. Uh, sounds like it's going to be a year of party, 2019, because uh, Epping Presbyterian Church turns 125 years old in July this year. So we'll have the birthday party first, then we'll have the wedding party. 125 years. Um, in July, that's 6,500 Sundays of God's people gathered together as a Presbyterian church in this area. Uh, 6,500 sermons. Goodness. 6,500 Sunday school lessons. Uh, and think of the hundreds, probably thousands of people whose lives have been connected to this church one way or another. Uh, this morning we just sent out a couple that is going back to America. Uh, they've been here for a couple of months. Uh, year, how, maybe years? Yeah. And then uh, now he's got another job back there. But their life has been touched by the ministry that has been this church. Uh, when, I was, um, uh, when I was telling people that I've got an appointment in this church, it's, it's quite common for someone to tell me, oh yeah, Epping Presbyterian Church, yes, I've been there. I was in the Sunday school, or I know someone else who's been there. Uh, and so as a church, that's, that's great. You know, we've, we've had opportunities to be a blessing to so many people. I think that we should get a cake, a big one in July. I think that we should invite all our past friends to come and party. Uh, and, and we get to tell them how good God has been to us. Uh, by the way, I've also invited the current moderator of the Presbyterian Church of New South Wales. He's already said yes. Uh, so he's coming in his gown. Okay. <laughs> you should be in the organizing party. Okay, I'll, I'll put you in the organizing committee. 125 years is a long time, right, for a church, but the idea of church began even before that, right? Long before there was Epping Presbyterian Church, the idea of a church was already there because man did not invent church. God did. It was God's idea to have a group of people called by his name who is going to continue his mission. And we see that in Jesus' prayer here in John 17, even in, at that time, Jesus already had in mind a group of people just like us. Isn't that amazing? I find that incredible. Incredibly comforting too. Uh, so we've been working our way through John 17. Uh, the first bit was we saw Jesus praying for himself. Not in a self-seeking kind of way, but in a way that made sense with what the Father promised him from eternity. The Father promised him a group of people uh, that he will be given authority over. That Jesus had the, the power and the authority to grant them eternal life. So Jesus prayed that the Father will glorify him. By that he meant he's going to the cross. And Jesus prayed that my work on the cross may be pleasing to you. That was the first bit. And then in the second part of, prayer, of the prayer, Jesus prayed for the disciples, the early, the, the, the 11 disciples that were, with, that were with him. 
Uh, they've heard that Jesus was going away. They were sad. They were frightened. And Jesus prayed for their protection. Jesus was afraid that uh, when he's gone, they might be scattered and that they might be discouraged and they will go back to the world. Uh, these were the group of people, you remember, they accepted, they knew Jesus, and they believed that he was from God. Uh, and then now, this evening, Jesus looks beyond that to their ministry and the ministry that is going to extend beyond that to the group of believers that will believe because of the apostle. But the idea was there, right there. Church was in Jesus' mind when he prayed this prayer. Father, my prayer is not for them alone, referring to the disciples. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. So the pattern continues. Jesus envisage, envision a group of people that will accept, that will know him, and that will believe in him. See, two, more than 2,000 years ago, that was already you know, there. And we could, all, we could even go back to the idea of God's people in the Old Testament. And so these were the, the apostles, right? The, the 11 disciples became known as apostles. That just means sent one, right? There were people sent out on a mission. It wasn't their mission. They were just responsible for receiving that mission and carrying it out faithfully. All of them gave their life for it. Um, their job was to bring that message about Jesus' identity to, to the people. And they did just that. So the content of the message wasn't just a set of truth to believe in. Right? Really, it was a person to trust in. Um, they did that. And so after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the disciples shared right, in 1 John chapter 1, you know, that's one of the letters where it, it, it described, this is how they described their experience. That which we have heard, which we have touched, you know, our, our eyes have seen this, we proclaim to you. So they were proclaiming their witness, their experience with the living, uh, with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And when they did that, people believed. Uh, and they were converted. And then this group of people then did the same thing. They went and shared that experience and so on and so forth. You know, some of them traveled overseas. Uh, a group of them went to Singapore, uh, planted a Presbyterian school. Many years ago, and then in, you know, after 1971, there was this boy that went to a Presbyterian school and got to hear the gospel. And, you know, so as a result of the gospel going out, one generation after another, today we have Epping Presbyterian Church. Isn't it great that there is this continuity right, that has been birthed, that, you know, that we passed on from one generation to another generation. So church wasn't invented. Uh, no, we did not invent the idea of church. How could we, right? It's just not enough fun and party. Just, you know, no committee, no vote. But it was God. God, His Spirit, out of His love, the love that was pre-existing in the, the Trinity flowing out to draw sinners and men to himself. That's why the church was there. Uh, there's a language that we use when it comes to church is that since we didn't invent it, we receive it. Right? It, it, it is received and passed on. Uh, you recall Paul's language in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is another letter in the Bible 
where Paul talks about his experience, right? He, he describes it this way, that which I have received, I passed on as of first importance. Jesus died, Christ died for sinners. Right? That's the language of church. We didn't invent this thing. We received it. It was being passed on to us from previous generation. And our job is to pass, on, pass that on. It's a little bit like you know, running a marathon or a race you know, where you pass the baton on. Or like the Olympic where you pass that torches to the next generation. Very meaningful, I think, to see that being passed on from one continent to another continent. It's the idea that is being passed on. Or the Anzac, oh, for example, I was at the Anzac parade at 2 p.m. where, you know, why do we keep doing this ceremony so that the next generation will not make the mistake that the previous generation did? Every generation has to carry that message faithfully, right? Passing that message on. But it's not like Chinese whispers. You know how you expect that the whole point of the game was so that, you know, you're just waiting for the final bit where you just laughed at how corrupted the message has become. Uh, so as the message is being passed on, there's people who can be very cynical, and rightfully when you don't understand the process, that actually, you know, how can we be sure that what we know about Jesus Christ today is the truth. Maybe people corrupted it. Um, and, and again, you know, I don't have time to go into the details, but the Bible has been, you know, reliably transmitted. Uh, when you look back at the original documents that we have, you know, and what we have today, it is remarkably accurate in comparison to all the other literature that are around. There is no other literature that we have today that has that sort of an accuracy, all because it's recognized that this is God's word and it needs to be transmitted. Um, and so we have the Bible. Right? The Bible was essentially the New Testament, uh, specifically was the testimony of the apostles. All right? They are testimony written down. Um, they were the first eyewitnesses, so to speak. In addition to the scriptures, we also receive something else. Uh, it's called a creed. Right? Uh, a creed is just a collection or a, a very standard way of describing the Christian truth such that it can be passed on. Right? That's the whole idea. It is standardized so that we can pass this on. Uh, when you know the creed, it, it's a little bit like learning your ABC of the Christian faith. Uh, you know it because that's what uh, is the foundation for you to understand what you are believing in so that you can be saved and so that the church can be healthy. That's what it's trying to say there. Say there. And so one of the earliest creed that we receive is called the Apostles' Creed. It's called the Apostles' Creed because, not because the apostles wrote it, but because it contains the, the, you know, the summary of the apostolic teaching. Right? I believe God the Father, Jesus, and it comes to church. And then there was a little statement in there that says, I believe in the communion of saints. Uh, interesting phrase. Uh, but I think this is what Jesus had in mind when he was praying for the disciples and their disciples and their disciples, that there is going to be this continuity of his people. They don't just pass on like waves. They, they are in fellowship before God. They're, that's the invisible church that is gathering before God right now. Past, present, and the future. 
So I believe in the communion of saints. Is where Jesus was praying for them and say, you know, this is Jesus praying for those who believe that all all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that they are united to one another, just as Jesus is united with the Trinity, the Father, that they may love one another, just as the Father loves the Son, and vice versa. Right? This is a communion that spans time. Right? It's not bound by time or geography. I believe in that communion. So Jesus was praying for that. Um, that's the oneness that Jesus is referring to, the unity that is there. It is a spiritual unity, fundamentally first. There might be some organizational unity, but maybe. So when we're dealing with, with this reality that Jesus is pointing to, to re- a relationship that is with him and with one another that spans time. The communion of saints does not mean that we pray and talk to saints. Uh, you commune with the saints. Uh, we do not pray to the saints. Uh, the Bible does not allow it. Uh, the, 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 the commandments in Exodus 20 is very clear that there is only one God that you pray to and talk to me. Uh, you do not need an intermediary to pray to God. Right? Sometimes there's an understanding that uh, God is so high and mighty, I'm so low, uh, God's God, Jesus and Peter is Jesus' good friend. If I pray to Peter and ask Peter to intercede on my behalf, that is going to get a better hearing. Um, that's very humanistic in its thinking. Again, we don't need that. Jesus' death and resurrection meant that now you have free, direct access into the Trinity. That's what prayer is, isn't it? Prayer is now eavesdropping, communing with the Trinity and asking God to do what He wants to do through us. Um, so we don't so that's not what communion of saints means Sorry, I just lost my train of thought there. No, commun- the communion of saints idea is that there is a continuity between the people of God in the Old Testament at, right to the New Testament and to now, today as we are sitting in this building we are God's church from the very beginning God's people that was in the Old Testament, from Moses, David, Solomon, the prophets, then the disciples, then the early church, the church fathers, that's been passed on, that faith, and now today we receive that. And then we, it is our job to pass that on. Right? That's what Jesus is about. Right, we're to, to participate in the oneness of Jesus is to be participating in his mission and his love. Uh, that's what it means to be one in Christ. A bit small, isn't it? I need better graphics. Um, this is the best I can do. I'm sure Sarah can do a better job. Uh, but you see, that's, that's what we mean by many people one in Christ. I like that. I'm just kind of duplicating it because there's many people's. Uh, many people's one in Christ doesn't mean that we all, you know, different people from different cultures agree to get along. That's nice. That's important. We should respect one another. But I think there is something more fundamental than that. I think when we say we are one in Christ, we are also one in the same fellowship and communion with Christ as with the saints. 
we share in the same belief. We've received that and we are going to pass that on. We have a common faith despite our different languages and culture. That's what Jesus is pointing to. Uh, that all of, all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in them. That the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Uh, that they may be brought into complete unity. You get the sense that this unity is and, com- and oneness is important for Jesus. So to be one in Christ, therefore, is to, to participate to be with Jesus in both his mission and his love, right? So his mission is so that the world may believe. There is an invisible church. We are the visible church. The visible church is what we see with our eyes. It's still imperfect. Um, Because we don't know who are the ones that God has chosen, we just treat it as everybody will be given the opportunity to, 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 to to hear the gospel be given the opportunity to accept, to know, and to believe. So that's what it means to, you know, so the world may believe. And then to show the world that this belief has traction because we love one another. Jesus says, so that they may know that, you know, as you have loved me and that I love them. That this is, this is what the church is about. And what a blessing that we have, I think in this manner to be called into Jesus' work. Jesus could have done it without us. I think so. But he chose. He chose to use us. I personally wouldn't have done that. Our God would have been easier to do it without people. There's a certain sense that when we have people coming together, that oneness is going to be challenged. But if we understand that our oneness fundamentally comes from the relationship with God, then it gives us hope. Then we will, have the, we will be able to accept people from different cultures and languages because of our unity in Christ. Um, oneness also means that you know, the, the visible church is broader than just EPC, isn't it? We, we are surrounded by other churches that do share in the mission. Uh, just last week, uh, I had the opportunity to have coffee with the Baptist minister up the road. Uh, lovely guy, uh, Andrew Hall. And I really was very blessed by that fellowship because he, he's been here 10 years. In one sense, he reached out to me. Uh, and it wasn't condescending. He, he didn't come and say, oh, yeah, you, you know, let me show you what's, what needs to be done here. No, he came, we sat down, we had coffee. First thing he told me was, you're not like Matt Oates. I'm just a uh, um, And then he said, uh, you know, it, it, it can be hard. You know, and he says, it, it can be hard, but I want to encourage you, how are you doing? How's your family doing? I just got a sense that, yeah, that there is a partnership here. And I want to shout out to him. I told him that I'll be mentioning this. Well done. I want to be that kind of a minister that will partner other churches so that together, right, our unity in Christ, which is about the gospel, we can advance the gospel together. Right? So the church is a universal church, but it is also an international church. I get excited by Epping because I think Epping has the potential uh, of becoming a world-changing church. By that, because Epping is a place where the world is living and traveling and working too. Right? There will be people who are just going to be here for a couple of months to a year. 
And we have an opportunity right, to transform their life and then send them back to wherever they come from. Sending is such an important thing. I think one of the healthy measures of a church should be how many people were sending intentionally. Right? Not because, oh yeah, they are going for... Right? Sending should be intentional. When people are out getting a new job, let's pray for them because that's an opportunity where they can be a witness for Jesus. So, sure, uh, I, I'm not for, uh, I, I'm for partnership, not necessarily for all-out partnership with everybody. Right? There, there will be a line that I will need to draw. There will be some people whom we do not share the same fundamental understanding in faith, especially when it comes to Scripture. That, that's probably one of the most, you know, uh, an indicator for me would be where they take the stand with Scripture and whether they view Jesus' death and resurrection as historical. Let's start there, right? Um, some people will not, will not be there. And with them, we, we will fail, I will be polite, but I know we will not have a partnership. There, there will be that limit. We have our distinctives. You know, we're reformed. We, we, really, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, it is God speaking to us when we listen to God's Word. We believe that Jesus' death and resurrection are historical, miraculous, none of that, but real. We believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we believe that God sets the foundation for how we live our lives. And that's going to be our distinctive. Of course, we are also known as Presbyterian. Right? That just means that the way that we govern our church is, or run our, our community is that it is governed by a, a group of elders. Men and women who love God, who are one in Christ, who want to see God's mission and love extended right, in this community. We have people, gifted people, who, who think about how resources can strategically be used to extend that mission and love. And then I believe in the priesthood of all believers. In other words, we do this together. I'm here to partner you so that God's mission can go out. And so all of that is in Jesus' mind, I think, when he prayed, Father, I pray for them, that they may be one. That when we are connected to Jesus, that's where we bear fruits. Remember John 15. That oneness is there too. And in order for EPC to make an impact and be a world-changing church, we need to take our oneness seriously. Right? Something that we receive. How do we apply today's uh, scripture teaching for us? Well, very, I just have a very simple thought tonight. Tonight I just want to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that, you know, you thought about us. That you chose to partner us. You know? So Jesus is now the high priest in heaven. He's representing us to his Father. Uh, he's not just praying for our future, but he's also, uh, for present, he's also praying for our future. That's the hope that Jesus wants to move us to. Father, I want those uh, <laughs> that you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you've sent me. 
I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known to them so that your love may flow out to them. So again, that knowledge of God is important. So as Jesus looked forward to his return to Father by way of his suffering and death, he is looking forward with hope for the church that there will be a time when, you know, Jesus and his church will be united. That's the time that Jesus is referring to. I think as a church, because of we didn't invent the church, we receive it. Uh, tonight, I just want us to do something that uh, would be appropriate for the sermon. Is to I want us to recite the Apostles' Creed together as a reminder of our unity together uh, in, in Christ. So I've got it on the screen for us. Together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The word Catholic there just means the universal church.